You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 226. We finally checked the P.O. box and I got all of y'all's cards for sympathy about my dad and congratulations for the wedding and Cassie, the soaps you made. Thank y'all so much for all of just the thoughtful, you know, things, all the words. <laughs> all that sweet stuff that y'all do. Every time I open a card, Donna went, ooh, I love that one. Ooh, I love that one. But you know what we do love more than I love those cards? Jinx. Mm-hmm. They're back and we're happy to have them because Marley and Jax, they love the Jinx too. Literally salivating if I just pull out a little container. So he's got a little tear stain thing happening. I just open up a bag of Jinx treats and he just sits there and lets me do whatever I want to do. <laughs> just drooling. Oh, okay. Okay. It was good until that point. But seriously, Jax might not be the pickiest eater, but Marley is the pickiest of the picky and she has a sensitive stomach and sensitive skin. And Jinx has been a godsend. Because all their food is clean. It's got easy to digest proteins and superfoods like carrots, cranberries, plus the probiotics. But you don't have to just take our word for it because Jinx, they are chef's kiss because they offer 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if it's not your dog's new favorite food, if they're not salivating and all the things. Drooling. She means drooling. Uh, they're not drooling like Jack's. <laughs> you get your money back. They're all about giving back. You mean giving bark? That's right. They have a give bark program. So every time that you make a purchase, it provides a meal for a dog in a shelter. Give me your best bark. Ruff. <laughs> Ruff. Okay, my gruff. <laughs> Well, you know what? Even McGruff would like Jinx. Duh, he's smart. <laughs> Practically human-like. <laughs> so walk, don't run to your computer or your phone, whatever, and get on to thinkjinx.com slash creep so that you can get 15% off your first two orders. Ruff. Okay, so I want to be a little trendy here. Oh, God. But I thought of just some today. So these aren't the best, but I thought I would get your opinion, even though, let me preface this and say, we know that Carrie's in a great marriage, all the things, but you know, it's like, he's a 10, but... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I wanted to get your take on some. I literally just sent him one today that... You'll hear me talk about Maddie all the time. I worked with her, but she listens to the podcast. Maddie's husband tagged her in and literally tagged her name like six times in it. And it said, she's a 10, but that laundry is still not folded because oh, y'all have heard my laundry saga. And Colby does the laundry because it is the bane of my existence. I hate it. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to give you, like, he's a blah, but he blah, and then you tell me what that makes him. Okay. And don't be carrying overthinking it, okay? You don't know me at all. I do. 
He's a 10, but he's rude to waitstaff. Uh, zero. Let's go negative 10. Mm-hmm. Agreed. He's a two, but can cook all your favorite food perfectly. Seven. He's a four, but he makes that good money at his job. Five. He's a one, but treats you like a queen and understands your love language. Seven. He's a seven, but refuses to play with your hair. Two. He's a ten, but doesn't go down on you. Oh, uh uh-uh. Zero. If I'm going down (laughs) on you, you motherfucker, you're going down on me. He's a nine, but doesn't want to have sex more than once a month. Uh-uh. 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 We can't be having that. Two. <laughs> okay. How do you keep doing the number that I'm about to do next? Really? He's a two, but he has a sexy accent. Three. I don't give a shit about that. He's a six, but constantly blows his nose. I mean, he got like a deviated septum or some shit? I don't know. A- Overthinker. Four? He's a four, but he's six, three or taller. What's that have to do with anything? Okay. I know you haven't been on Tinder lately, but that's in every guy's profile. It's literally in every guy's profile. <laughs> They're 6'3". I'm like, and you come out and you're 5'10". But which, it's fun. You're 5'10". That's fun. But it's, don't lie about it. Don't lie about it. But also, it's like, I'm 6'1", because that seems to matter. Well, yeah, I just want to know your height. Look, I cannot reach the top shelf. I need someone who's going to reach that top shelf. Well, a preference is a preference. But, like, it's also just knowing what somebody looks like because you're still on Tinder. Like, you still, like, with all of this, looks matter, mm-hmm. but so does other things. Like, that's kind of the whole point of this. Yes. Because other things matter. Okay. He's an eight, but a bad kisser. Two. I could make it work. <laughs> He's a five, but smells incredible. No, uh uh-uh. uh. That'd be making me choke. I can't. If, but you know what? What somebody told me one time, they said, your cologne should be a whisper, not a statement. Okay, but he could still smell incredible. You don't Yeah, know. but like, I just, that makes me think that like they have a lot on and I don't like that. Okay. So what is it? I forgot what the options were. He's a five. Three. <laughs> I love that that's a negative to Well, because you. He, it's going to be too much. Like, tone it down. Like, if it's just his natural musk, then, okay, seven. Okay. He's a 10, but his name is Richard and everyone calls him Dick. He's a what, 10? A 10. Like a (laughs) 6. He's a 9, but he chews with his mouth open. Uh Uh-uh. Negative (laughs) 100. I hate when people smack. Like, I hate it. (sighs) That's the only ones I have. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, which one of those would be your, like, Bad kisser. Mm-hmm. Won't go down on you. Sex only once a month. Sex. Well, no. Okay, here's the thing. I do love sex, but intimacy is also, like, not just sex, you know? So that's okay. But if he a bad kisser, it's not going past that at all. So I can't have that. No, I, I know. You've, like, not seen somebody again because they weren't a good kisser. <laughs> no. It is, look, kissing is very important. So bad kisser... But also rude to wait staff. I do not like that. No, because it's like you think that they're less than you. And mm-hmm. nobody's less than anybody. Right. I liked that. Everybody's like, my God, y'all haven't even gotten to the damn stories yet. <laughs> well, before we do, we just have to say one more thing. Patreoners! Thank you! <laughs> Thank you so much, Michaela H. from Colorado. Donna C. from Virginia. Sarah D. from New Jersey. And Tracy K. from California. 
Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. They're getting an extra episode a week. They're getting a thank you card with stickers. They're getting a Facebook Live. They're getting extra slices. They're getting a ton of good good. So if you want all of that, just like these awesome peeps, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, we're going to get into it. And in this story, we're going to Creep Mom State of Pennsylvania. But instead of her small town, we're going to focus on Pittsburgh. I'm going to tell you about a house that's known as a congelier house or the house that the devil built. Damn. Dun, dun, dun. That's what I thought you were going to do. I don't know you at all. Picture it. It's the 1860s and Charles Wright Congelier, he moved to Pittsburgh after the Civil War. He had made a fortune while he was in the South, particularly in Texas, because he was one of the carpetbaggers, like the people who used the shit after the Reconstruction. He preyed on vulnerable people and made money off of them. Mm -hmm. So he went to Pittsburgh When he arrived, he was like, you know what? I want to make my fortune known. And what better way to do that than to build a mansion for him and his wife to live in? So that's what they did at 1129 Ridge Avenue, which is in the north side of Pittsburgh. And it's the house that we now know as the Congelier House. Charles and Lida, his wife, they lived there and they had a maid named Essie. Well, life was good for a little bit, but you know, secrets always end up revealing themselves in some way, and that's what happened in 1871. Lida found out that Charles and Essie were having an affair, and let's be honest, Essie probably wasn't a willing participant because how you always say, if there's a power difference like that, one part really doesn't give consent. Because it's not out of want, it's out of necessity. Exactly. But it didn't matter to Lida. She got a knife and a meat cleaver, and she took revenge on both her husband and the maid. Damn. No one had heard from the family in a few days. So a friend went over to check on the Congelier family, and that's when they found the gruesome scene. But then they heard some noise coming from another room, And they saw Lida rocking in a chair, humming a lullaby. And she was cradling Essie's head in her arms. So it didn't take long for the word to spread about the brutal murders. And Lida basically rocking Essie's head like a baby. So the home remained vacant for 20 years. But then in 1892, it was purchased by a railroad company and they were going to convert the house into apartments for the railroad employees. But after so many workers complained about not being able to stay there due to strange sounds and weird, unexplainable activity, the house went on the market again. So what kind of sounds were they experiencing? Oh, you know, a woman sobbing, a rocking chair creaking, but... Mm, no rocking chair there. And they would also hear someone humming lullabies. Sound familiar? Those employees should feel lucky that they got out of that house when they did because the house seemed to have an effect on the residents or maybe it attracted a certain type of resident. Who knows? But the next owner was a doctor named Adolf Brunreichter and he moved into the home in 1900. Dr. Brunreichter 
He was not a social butterfly by a long shot, and he was actually more of a recluse than anything. No one really knew anything about him, even his neighbors. But that all changed on August 12th, 1901. Best month ever, by the way. Oh, God. But on that night, his neighbors heard a woman scream, and then there was this big explosion inside the doctor's home. They got the police involved, you know, to check it out, and the police discovered a decapitated body of a woman. And then they uncovered a weird lab that was set up, and it had five more women's heads, but they could not find the bodies. There was research in that lab that revealed that the doctor had been performing experiments about how to keep the heads alive after decapitation. Oh my God. What the police didn't find was the doctor himself until 1927. And that's when a man who was arrested in New York was drunk and he was just like talking to the police and he just kept blabbing on about how he had gotten away with experiments in the past. And he said his name was Dr. Adolf Brunreichter. Well, he was like, oh yeah, back in Pittsburgh, they have no idea, you know, blah, 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 blah. The newspaper started calling him the Pittsburgh Spook Man, and he was arrested, but he was deemed later, like a month after, not a threat to society, and he was released from prison because they couldn't prove that's who he was, and he was never heard from again. Of course he wasn't. (laughs) So, obviously, after the second gruesome murder spree was well known, the house again was abandoned for years. But, you know, in the 1920s, people were interested in spiritualism and whatnot. So, people were drawn to this place, where evil seemed to be the only resident that stayed put. One psychic who was drawn to the house was Julia Murray, She said that she felt that there was a very vengeful spirit who lived there, and when she was investigating the house, objects were thrown at her from unseen hands, and, like, they were aimed at her but barely missed her. Julia believed that the entity was going to kill, and it might escape the confines of the home. Spooky, right? Well, even though the tells were spooky, one man was too intrigued to stay away, and you may know him. Uh Uh-oh. His name is Thomas Edison. Okay. Yeah, that Thomas Edison. I mean, I thought you were going to go with like a Zach Bagans. (laughs) Okay, 1920. I mean, would it surprise you? (laughs) He wasn't really a spiritualist or anything, but you know, he had a scientific mind and he was always questioning things. One thing he believed was that when a person died, the body, of course, decayed. But that intelligence from that person, it was eternal. So he thought that the intelligence was like in limbo, waiting to move on. And so he wanted to invent a way to communicate with that. It's said that he worked on that invention until the end of his life, but never brought it to fruition. He wanted to visit the house to try to see if he could tap into anything. So remember how Julia Murray predicted something would happen outside of the house? Well, in the mid-1920s, so only a few years after her visit, it came true. The Equitable Gas Company was located a few blocks from the house, and the company was building a huge natural gas storage complex. I love the way you say the word company. (laughs) What do I say? Company. (laughs) 
And the company, I don't know, you just say it weird. And I, li- I mean, I like it. The company. I don't know. Well, the story goes that the company. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Damn it. They fired all the workers to cut costs, and they hired Italian immigrants to finish the work at a much lower pay. They again converted the house into apartments to house their workers. Strange things happened, but the men just wrote it off as pranks and stuff until two workers were found dead in the basement. One was basically stabbed with a piece of wood through his chest. Oh, God. And the other was hanging from a rafter. But the thing is, both men had been alive and well just moments before they were found like this. So people really weren't sure what happened. But then on November 15th, 1927, one of the tanks from the gas company exploded. And the house was damaged from debris and whatnot. But what's weird is that it was the only house on the street that was messed up. And the house that had been haunted or cursed, well, it collapsed. And all that was left was like this huge crater in the earth. So people said it was like the devil pulled the house back down to hell. No one rebuilt the home. And instead, a highway was later built on the land where the house once stood. But the question is, does the evil remain even though the house doesn't? But you don't have to answer that. Well, good, because I wouldn't have been able to. (laughs) Because here's the thing. This house that has been known as the most haunted house in America for a while, it's now known as the most haunted hoax. What? Because it's all lies. What? Yes. (laughs) So remember the Conjolier family and the whole affair murder thing? Yeah. Well, that first part, the first house that is recorded at being... 1129 Ridge Avenue, it was in the late 1880s, and it wasn't a mansion. It was a typical row house, and it was in a working-class neighborhood, so no one would have built something like that there. And then, there's no record of any of those people ever existing. Furthermore, the home was never used for immigrant workers or anything. And remember the mad doctor who was doing the decapitated experiments? Mm Mm-hmm. Luckily, no record of him at all. That is all lies. What about Thomas Edison? (laughs) I'm getting there. Now, there is one truth to this. There was a Conjolier family who lived in the residence in the 1920s. Marie Collinger, she was killed in a blast from the Equitable Gas Company in 1927. So some of the windows shattered and a shard struck her in the leg and it severed a main artery in her leg. Oh my God. Her family stayed in the home until it was demolished in preparation for the highway expansion. So what is wild is no one knows where the story's began because the first time this local legend and lore was written about was in a book called Haunted Houses and they were under the impression that it was all factual but we now know it's not so like even they you know they got scammed by a kindergartner (laughs) (laughs) and again (laughs) that made me giggle (laughs) 
And the thing is, whoever started and continued this house's fake history, you know, they really sold it by including names and dates and everything that makes you believe something, like even Thomas Edison, because he never visited that house. <sighs> Lies. <laughs> now, one true aspect of that is the Equitable Gas Company did lay off a lot of their workers and replace them with Italian immigrants and paid them way too low of a wage. So, you know, they might be the only real monsters in this whole story. Well, that's the damn truth. I'm really glad I got you on that. <laughs> you did. It was the Thomas Edison for me. I was like, damn, he spent his whole life trying to prove that you could, like, harness somebody's mind. <sighs> Poor Tom Tom. Oh, Motherfucker, you got me. Even though it has been debunked, people still believe in this local urban legend, you know, and it's still something that, like, people in Pittsburgh know about, even though it's all lies, you know, and it's just kind of like, be careful what you really believe, because you have to keep a skeptical mind sometimes. I told you I've been telling you that this whole podcast. <laughs> The one time I believe you. <laughs> See, you, you always got to be on your feet. Uh, that one time. Okay, why I got to be on my feet and everybody else gets to be on their toes? <laughs> you ain't got good balance. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, my dear. I don't know why I called you dear. That was weird, too. I thought you were going to say motherfucker, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you got me. Now, hopefully yours hasn't been as gory and stuff as you've been doing. Well, my story recommendation comes from Elizabeth M. in the Facebook group. When they recommended this, they said that the podcast Invisible Choir had done an episode on it. And you know, I like that podcast. Me too. I know you do. That's why I was like, <laughs> oh, she liked that one too. Anyway, well, let me just say, they did such a good job because they do all the recordings and all of that. So like, if you're really into that, they play a lot of that, which is really cool. But this is the story of Lance Mason. So Lance grew up pretty affluent. His dad was a physician and he didn't know whether he wanted to be a physician or an attorney. Like knew from the jump he was going to be doing you know, money, making that money. But eventually he settled on law. He became an attorney, and in the early 90s, he was working with the Department of Agriculture. Listen to this. This kind of grossed me out. But he was prosecuting meat producers who would pretend that meat wasn't spoiled by, like, putting chemicals on it. Ew. Yes. That, like, triggers everything in me about food poisoning. Like, yeah. that sends shivers down my spine. Ugh. Every time you say shivers down your spine, I do the spooky, scary skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, that didn't keep him entertained, and he went on to start a political career. As lawyers usually do. Right. I feel like that. Like, their progression, like, judges, politicians, like, that's, like, if they're like, okay, I'm kind of tired of law, let me do this, this version of it. Eventually, he became an assistant prosecutor for the Cuyahoga County, well, you know, prosecutor's office, because they lived in Shaker Heights, Ohio. And then from there, that's where he kind of started his congressional stuff, too. Like, he became a senator and was the assistant minority whip for the Ohio Senate. He then became a state representative, like, to, like, fill a vacancy, like, he was appointed to it, and then was later, like, reelected into that, or not reelected, elected into that position. 
So I told y'all he was the assistant county prosecutor, but there were times in his career that he was working in the private sector, too. He worked for, like, this litigation group. So he's got, like, all the things. He's got the the career as the politician, the attorney, and what was next for him was he actually became a judge. He married a local girl, Aisha Fraser, which some stuff, because it's spelled with an S, so some stuff said Fraser, some stuff said Frazier, but they got married and they had two daughters. And, you know, things were going pretty great. He earned like a little over $75,000 as a state senator and then like $121,000 as a judge. Oh, hell. Yeah. He was doing pretty good. He afford, but he makes that money. <laughs> well, on August 2nd, 2014. Best month ever. Oh my God. Lance, Aisha, and their two girls were in the car and heading to a funeral. But Aisha and Lance had actually been separated for about five months. Things weren't good. Allegedly, Lance was pretty controlling, and it just wasn't working. So they're in the car on the way to this funeral, and Aisha brings up the fact that she wants him to get some help to work on some of the issues that he's going through because, you know, like I said, they're separated. He just had a parent pass and one of their daughters was having some difficulty because she had Down syndrome. And at the time this happened, the daughters were four and six years old. So they're in the car. She tells him this and out of nowhere, he just loses it. People start calling police because they see this SUV that is... Lance, Aisha, and the kids swerving from side to side because while Lance is driving, he is beating Aisha. One of the callers to 911 says that in the SUV, they can just see fists flying. Like he was punching her over and over and over again. He punched her over 20 times. Holy shit. He grabbed her by the back of the head, by the hair, and slammed her head into the front console five times. Uh-uh. She is the whole time screaming and honking the horn, trying to get people to notice, and the car's just veering. Well, eventually, she gets out, and he, like, stops the car, follows her out, bites her ear, and is just telling her, you're never going to get out of this kind of thing. What? So he eventually takes off in the SUV with the girls in the back seat. So Aisha is terrified. She calls police and she's telling them, I'm afraid he's going to hurt my daughters. Like, this is what kind of vehicle he's in. She even remembers some of her license plate. All of these witnesses are really helping her. Like, they end up, like, driving her. One thing said to the hospital, but another thing said that, like, if you listen to the 911 calls, it sounds like she meets police at a church because she keeps saying, like, did you find the car? Did you find the car? I'm so worried about my kids. Are my kids okay? Did you find the car? And they're not answering her. And they're just like, just tell them to stop and we'll meet you. Meanwhile, she's covered in blood because he's beaten her so severely and bitten at her. What the fuck? He's biting at her face. Oh, my gosh. She eventually gets taken to the hospital for care, and she ends up needing reconstructive surgery to her face because he beat her so hard. Holy shit. Yes. And, of course, the whole time she's like, where are my kids? Like, are my kids okay? She's so worried. And he's on the run. 
Well, it didn't take long for Lance's sister, Lynn, to call police and tell them that he was at her house. Police get there and they see he is covered in blood. And my first thought is, oh my God, what do you do to the kids? Right. But it was Aisa's blood from him biting her. Oh my gosh. So the police arrest him and they do a search of the house and they find so many guns and just gun things. Like I can't think of the other word, but like they get smoke grenades, semiotic weapons, bulletproof vest, over 2,500 rounds of ammunition and a sword. What? So he just has like excessive amounts of like a gun collection. Yeah. He pretty much surrendered though without incident when they arrested him. And it was this huge deal because it's this judge, this beloved judge who worked as a prosecutor prosecuting cases like this. And here he is now arrested for domestic violence and like so severe that she had to have reconstructive surgery because he fractured an orbital bone in her face. Meanwhile, the whole time, the kids in there in the back seat, absolutely terrified. They're six and four years old and they are terrified. So immediately after this, Aisha files for divorce and goes back to her maiden name, Fraser. So the judge immediately orders a protection for Aisha and the kids. And of course, Lance is all, I'm so sorry. Like, it's all these things that he's going through. You know, they'd been separated and the kid and the parent who just passed and all of that. And he says that, you know, he's so sorry. He just snapped. All the things. So he takes responsibility and he pleads guilty to felonious assault and domestic violence. So because of this, he had to stop his judgeship and he was sentenced to like 24 months in prison well it wasn't just an automatic like hey you're going to lose your law license with a felony like in some cases you still can like he immediately lost the judgeship but he could potentially still practice law well when he was being sentenced people came out of the woodworks to talk about how amazing he was and how like this isn't the person that we know and this was just a fluke he just had so much going on like this isn't going to happen again like we can't believe this happened it's not going to happen again this is not who he is he's so remorseful this whole time he's not worried about himself he's worried about the kids and Aisha and you know all the things what that makes zero sense That's like, he really badly beat his wife, but just this one time, that's, he shouldn't be punished for it. Yeah, it was, it was an accident. He didn't mean to, he didn't mean to lose his temper. It was an accident. That's just, what? I do not buy that this was the first time that something like that happened. It kind of comes out later that he was pretty controlling in the relationship through some stuff that her mom says, like later. But that was really the only thing that talked about their relationship before this incident, But you can't tell me that he didn't at least, like, pretend like he was going to hit her or something Mm -hmm. like that. Like, that didn't just come out of the blue. Right. Also, the people who are coming to his defense, yeah, people can be amazing at work and everything. But guess what? They go home and then they could take it out on their spouse. And you have no idea because, oh, they're lovely at work. Well, and it was like, it was some coworkers and but it was preachers and his old college roommate and the roommates like, well, we had conversations about like being against domestic violence. Well, yeah, nobody's going to come out and be like, yeah, I'm really for it. <laughs> right? Who's, no one's for it. Oh my gosh. 
So I told you he was sentenced to two years in prison, but I also like how the judge was like, yeah, I hear y'all, but like she needed surgery. Yeah. So this was pretty bad. He chased after her and bit at her. Exactly. Well, he only served nine months. Of course. But the Ohio Supreme Court did suspend his law license like indefinitely. Good for that. But also I'm like, oh God, he's going to be stressed out about not having a job. What's going on? Well, she had filed for a divorce and successfully divorced him. And she actually sued him like in a civil case for damages and she got $150,000 in that case and of course while he was in jail he did all the things like on that invisible choir they talked about how he even went to the AA meetings just to support his other inmates oh my gosh right so he got out in 2015 ish and he kind of laid low and then around 2017, reemerged because he had just been hired by the mayor as the director of minority business development for the city. Now, this wasn't unheard of because this mayor was known for hiring people who had a felon on their record. Here's the thing. Like, you want to shame people who have, like, a domestic violence background. I don't think that everyone with a felony should never be able to get a job ever again because then you might as well just keep them all in prison because they're never going to be able to make anything of themselves because they'll never have a job. So I'm not saying that, but I'm also like, he was a judge that beat his wife so, so terribly. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't think he deserves any type of public position like that. Right. And things were going pretty good. You know, Lance had visitation with the kids. You know, they were just making it work. Aisa was a sixth grade school teacher. And so she was just doing her thing. She was just teaching and trying to move on with her life. She'd even started dating again. You know, she was trying to put the pieces together. The kids were finally healing. You know, it had been a couple of years at this point. And Aisa, like, even owned a house that Lance and his sister lived in. You know, they were just making it work. But then on November 17th, 2018, Aisa had taken the girls to the house that Lance and his sister Lynn shared. She was taking them for their regular scheduled visitation. When she pulls up, as soon as she gets out of the car, Lance attacks her. He had gotten two knives out of the kitchen, and he starts stabbing her. What? Out of nowhere. He ends up stabbing her 59 times and cut her throat three times. What? Oh my gosh. So there is a kind of a long drawn out thing where Lynn's calling the police and keep in mind too, this is all in front of the kids again. You can listen to the 911 call if you want to. And there's even like body cam footage because this was just in 2018 of police like entering the scene and once he sees them there he jumps into Isa's SUV and starts to hightail it out of there but he ends up hitting a patrol car and the officer in the patrol car Adam Flint was actually pretty injured he ended up having to go to the hospital too with some serious injuries but he was okay once he wrecked the car he tried to slit his own wrists and then tried to make a run for it on foot Wow. Which, of course, they chased him and brought him back and arrested him. So it was like when they arrested him, he's quoted saying, I cannot believe I did this. 
um, you premeditated it and you jumped out of the nowhere at her and started attacking her. Yes, you can believe you did yes. this. And he kept saying, like, he was so sorry to the kids. But no, you're not. So he ends up getting arrested and at first pleads not guilty. But to save, according to him, to save the kids and everyone from a trial, he does end up pleading guilty. And he gets sentenced for the murder of Aisa for injuring the police officer and all of that. He's sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. So he'll be like 80 years old. Wow. So one good thing that came of this, though, was a law called Aisa's Law. And so what this does is it gives first responders more training and tools to be able to gauge a situation of domestic violence. They had some studies that for different areas, like in Cleveland, some neighborhoods that had been using some of those tools that they were now teaching first responders, that intimate partner homicides were down 62%. Wow. It not only gave them those like tools for handling the situations, but it gave access to more victim advocates, counseling, therapy, safety planning, protection orders that are like outside of regular court hours, and then emergency shelters. The other thing that it did was it made strangulation a felony charge. Because they said that when in a domestic violence situation, when strangulation is used, that it is seven times more likely to escalate into homicide. I talked about all of his guns and all of that that he had too, because it was saying that, that the likelihood of a domestic violence situation ending in homicide increases significantly too if the abuser has weapons. Not just guns. I mean, hell, he had a sword. He had all kinds of stuff. So if they have access to weapons like that, they're much, it's much more likely to end in homicide. Wow. So it's just like this attorney slash politician slash judge who had basically everyone fooled. And Aisa's mom talked at his sentencing and was just saying like, you know, you tried to control her and you're only sorry because of what it means for you. Like, you lost your career, you lost, you know, he had his degree from Michigan Law and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, you're only sad of what it cost you. Yeah. Not because of that you killed Aisa. Right. Who is the victim in this. And, you know, it's like, you kind of get lost in the, he's this judge that had a fall from grace, which is what that title of that episode was in Invisible Choir. It's like, you know, he had this fall from grace. And so it's like, oh my God, a judge sentenced to murder. Oh my God, a judge sentenced to murder. But it's like, no, why don't we focus on a sixth grade teacher who had been such an important part of children's lives in the community, lost her life to a domestic violence situation. And, you know, the schools had to close for a minute. And it was kind of around the Thanksgiving holiday, but like, you know, they had to close and give these kids, you know, counseling. And it's like, could you imagine in sixth grade, your teacher being murdered? I mean, how do you even, I mean, first of all, how do her kids get past this? But also like, how do you even explain that to your child? Right. If it's like, okay, so her her ex-husband was a bad man that you know what I mean yeah it's like they're sixth graders they get it like they understand how bad this is and they had to go back to school and I saw one thing that said that the school brought in a substitute that the kids were familiar with to at least kind of help that transition but man yeah that's a lot and that sixth seventh grade year is a really hard transition anyway 
Yeah. And then to add that to it, I don't know. That just broke my heart. Well, speaking about a hard transition. Uh Uh-oh. Let's talk about apostrophe. (laughs) Let's put an apostrophe on that sentence. Oh. Uh Look, we all have breakouts. Y'all know I got the rosacea and we both got the wrinkles. Oh, Lord. Crow's feet. Caca, caca. Well, apostrophe is like, I got you, boo. That they do. When you have a big event coming up, it could be a date, a wedding. They got you so you can feel and look your best. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Their bread and butter is acne, but like we said, we have a slew of other issues and they are top notch for those two. And the cool thing about it is an expert dermatology team is what creates a personalized treatment plan just for you. You go online because we're all online anyway, and you take their quiz and it's about your skin goals and medical history. So be honest. Then they're going to ask you for a few selfies, which we all love to take. And you don't even have to dress up for this. They want your bare skin. They want to see, you know, what you think your problem areas are, all of that. And then a board certified dermatologist will create your initial customized treatment plan. And like we said before, apostrophe will treat all kinds of skin issues. But more importantly, acne and all kinds of acne. It is summer and we are sweating and we got the facial acne. We got the chest knee. We got the back knee. And if you've got swampy, you know what? You got the butt knee. Mm-hmm. So apostrophe is here to help. And we got a special deal. You can save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash creep. And then use the promo code creep. So head on over to apostrophe.com slash creep and click begin visit. Then use our code creep at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Make it holla. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash creep. You can use that promo code creep to get your first dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. That's better than a foot long. So back to these stories, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of this case where the guy had the preachers vouch for him and he got out of prison. And this is kind of the same thing. He had preachers and old friends vouch for him and he got out and it escalated. And for no reason, like he went from zero to 100 just because she said she wanted him to get help in the car. So he was like literally unprovoked. And in this situation, he basically lied in wait for her. Yeah. He knew when she was coming and he waited and he attacked her. Like this was premeditated. This Mm -hmm. was not, even if you want to say the car was like spur of the moment and he was angry and it was all too much and blah, 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 blah. Okay. But this was not that. Right. And he basically used their kids as a lure to get her there. Because he knew that she'd be dropping them off. I I just feel like everything that's like domestic abuse like that, where it's like, it just happened this one time. I'll never do it again. But it was that bad that first time. Yeah. That drastic. Um, I don't believe you. Right. And she didn't. She didn't. She got a divorce immediately. She did everything, air quotes, right. You know? Yeah. 
She's just following their visitation and dropping the kids off at what should have been a pretty neutral thing. Like it was his house, but like technically her house and technically he was just like living with the sister, you know, so like really and truly it was fairly neutral. Like you wouldn't expect that to have happened like that. Right. She certainly didn't because she was ambushed. That's so sad. And I feel so bad for their kids seeing such drastic and brutal violence parent on parent. I mean, how do those kids even move on? Because they've now lost both parents. You know the families are split because they supported him through the first trial, you know. Well, it wasn't a trial, but you get the point. The first situation. and But a lot of the people that backed him the first time didn't obviously back him the second time. That's not good optics. Right. Oh, see, I'd be so petty. Be like, oh, Preacher Dan, where are you at in this? Right. And then your shit was all fucking fake. You had me with the Edward Scissorhands. What was his name? <laughs> Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. I was like, Ed, Ed. Couldn't remember his name. Well, your story was fake, too, being he was fake. Oh, absolutely. Because you see this, like, prominent man in the community. You know, he came from an upper, at the very least, upper middle class family, you know, was well-educated and all the things, uh, attorney and a judge and a outstanding member of the community. Money can't buy your class. Oh, shit. Real housewives. A little Luann de la Sets for you. <laughs> no, money can't buy you morals. Yeah, That's so what it fucking is. True. Money cannot buy you morals. And he was a bad seed. You know, it seems like his family has no issue. You know, it's like, it's him. It's all him. Wow. He was, I bet, a narcissist that wanted to control her and Mm -hmm. wanted, you know, had this idea of what marriage should be. And he ruled that marriage by fear. Yeah. The most important thing to say about this is that if you or anyone you know is in a situation that's not safe or where there's any type of domestic violence, please reach out for help. There is so many things in place for emergency shelters or just safe avenues that you can research what's going on in your community for help. So please, please, please stay safe and reach out for help. And remember... Creep it real and And don't get scared. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 